0: Have you ever thought about how incredibly complex our spit is? It may only be 99% water, but just saliva isn't simple. That remaining 1% holds incredibly meaningful information that could change everything. And I'm not just talking about your family tree. Hi, I'm Baratunde Thurston, and on this season of Spit, an iHeartRadio podcast with 23andMe, we explore how DNA isn't just about ancestry. It can also be key to understanding your health. Hello, and welcome back. On today's show, we have Bridget Todd, host of the podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet. Each week, Bridget chronicles marginalized voices in technology, the voices that have always been at the forefront of tech, but far too often go overlooked. Bridget has investigated how marginalized communities are more likely to be impacted by technology and historically have been skeptical of data collection and privacy. So when Bridget decided to take a 23andMe test, she saw an opportunity to not only gain insightful information on our ancestry and health, but also to alleviate concerns and shed light on exactly how 23andMe protects your information. In today's episode, Bridget unpacks her own hesitancy about taking the 23andMe test. As a critic of tech, she's examined the ways that privacy policies can, but sometimes don't, protect the intimate details of our lives. But when she reviewed 23ME's privacy policy, Bridget was very happy to see a clear set of guidelines in plain English. To help better understand all the ins and outs, Bridget sits down with Zarina Kurvac from 23ME's data and privacy team to learn more. But that's not all. Bridget also shares some of what she learned from her reports, including the discovery of a whole bunch of cousins she didn't know she had. I know the feeling, Bridget, I know the feeling. It's a very important episode that you don't want to miss. Let's listen in.
1: There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. So it's probably no secret to anyone listening that I consider myself to be a bit of a tech critic. I just think it's important to interrogate who has the power in technology and how that power is being used. And this has been particularly important to me as somebody who is traditionally marginalized. So, last Thanksgiving, when my cousin was telling our family all about how he used the Ancestry and DNA kit 23andMe to find out more about our family legacy and history, the entire family was listening to him, completely captivated, while he talked about what he had found. And I could already feel all their eyes on me, like they were all just waiting for me to rain on the parade. But it actually sounded like he had found out some pretty compelling information that made us all feel more deeply connected to our family story, which, frankly, had always been a little bit murky. So, kind of out of character for me, I actually started to get pretty interested in DNA and ancestry kits like 23andMe. But as interested as I was, I was also really, really hesitant— You know, I knew it could be used to learn more about my family, my background, and to learn more about my health so I can make more informed choices. But I also know this whole fraught history of people, particularly our people, when it comes to things like DNA being misused or worse, used against us. So I checked out 23andMe's website and was surprised to find a privacy policy written more or less in plain English that I felt like I could actually kind of understand, You know, I read a ton of tech privacy policies for There Are No Girls on the Internet, and I feel like I have a pretty good handle on them. But I am no lawyer or data privacy expert, so I still had a lot of questions. So I turned to an actual expert.
2: Hi, I'm Serena Kurvac at 23andMe, and my title is um, Director Senior Privacy Counsel
1: So, Zarina, I know that you've kind of been in this privacy space for a while. How did you get into this work? How did this come to be something that you do for a living? You know, it was so random. One
2: day I learned about the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and I was like, this sounds so interesting, you know, thinking about digital identities and footprints that people leave on the internet. And um, I was in the midst of law school and I was like, uh, you know, I thought I was going to do intellectual property. And I was not liking it. And this whole world of privacy just seemed so fascinating. So um, I put all my eggs in one basket and just went for it.
1: Yeah, EFF was one of my first forays into thinking seriously about technology and sort of the implications of the trails that we leave online. And I had never really thought about it before, even as somebody who is like a super user of the internet, until I really encountered their work. Yeah, yeah. And it's
2: really good stuff. I think that they do a good job of make, making it very accessible and easy to understand and meeting people like who are regular consumers um, and understanding like privacy
1: and like what the internet's like and what your data is. Okay. I'm so glad I'm talking to you about this because you're the expert. And when I went to do my 23andMe, I, of course, had questions. And one of the things I appreciated was that the questions, like the answers about privacy on the 23andMe site are actually like pretty plain English. Like a, I read a lot of privacy policies and I'm like, I'm no lawyer. I do not understand this. Um, so I really appreciated that they're pretty straightforward. And like, I felt like I could have a handle on them, but I'm really glad I'm talking to you because you're the expert. And so, you know, as we know, we're in this climate where folks, particularly people who are marginalized, are understandably pretty concerned about privacy when it comes to their data. Is that something that 23andMe takes really seriously?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think Some of the things that you'll see all over our website is, you know, choice and transparency being our key values in our privacy approach. Our customers, it's really important to us that our customers are in control of their data and we don't make any assumptions about the way that they want to share their information when we build out our features. Um, customers make choices about whether they want to view certain sensitive health information or you know with whom they want to share their information whether they want to participate in certain features or programs such as DNA relatives or 23 andme research um, and customer choice also means allowing individuals to change their mind at any time um, you know if you want to revoke your consent to participate in research or um, DNA relatives it's easy to do that at any time just go to your account settings and boop, you're out. Um, And these meaningful choices are also like, they require transparency. And we work hard to make that information accessible, including presenting that information in a way that's easy to understand. And sometimes that can be hard. And it's an iterative approach, um, especially as you're dealing with like, not only like the internet, but genetic information. And like, there's a lot of, you know, fun, interesting things that can come out of that. Um, And recently we've updated our privacy statement to add like more graphics and visuals to improve readability. Um, And we work very closely with our customer care team because they're the ones who really like talk to our customers, have that first touch to be able to address those privacy topics and concerns um, that are important to people.
1: Yeah, that's really helpful. I I know there are so many reasons that a person might decide to undergo the kind of genetic testing that 23andMe does. And you being part of the privacy... you being part of the privacy team, I know that part of your job is to think about the risks involved in that. Like, do I have that right? Is that a big part of your job?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. So at Twenty Three and Me, I'm you know there's me and there's a whole privacy team that works cross functionally with like nearly every team in the company uh, to think through how we use data and the risks involved, so that we maintain not only our strict privacy commitments to our customers but to also provide them with a secure and private place to learn about themselves and make sure we comply with like a tapestry of evolving privacy laws. Um, And we work closely with teams like product, engineering, security, marketing, HR, customer care, research, and everyone in between to do that. Um, And so when you think about it, privacy not only should be at the heart of every single organization, but in especially a place like 23andMe, where we are dealing with such sensitive data, you know, whenever a new product or idea comes up we work with our product and engineering teams very closely at the early stages to address those privacy risks early on rather than later so it's not like an ad hoc like solution at the end um, and we also continue to work with you know other Stakeholders outside of our company, like the Future of Privacy Forum, the FPF. Um, It's a think tank and advocacy group uh, that's focused on data privacy. We've collaborated with them and other genetic testing companies to develop consumer genetic testing industry best practices. Um, And 23andMe is also part of a um, coalition for genetic data protection. Uh, the CGDP. And we work to advance legislation and policies that support privacy and security for um, genetic data. So that all genetic testing companies will be held to that same high standard that we have. And so those are all of the great things
1: that we get to work on as the privacy team. Can you tell me, like, walk me through some of the steps that 23andMe does take to keep people's uh, data secure? Yeah, there's a lot that goes
2: into that. So um, 23andMe is ISO 2700 certified. We also hold other certifications to confirm our commitment to customer security and privacy. Um, ISO certifications are awarded after extensive audits by an independent third party, so not within 23andMe. Um, and we've been identified, we've been certified under ISO 2700 one. 27701 and 27018. Um, And we're the first direct to consumer genetic testing company to be assessed against all those three standards. So that's what we do on like the security front. And there's a lot more, you know, we encrypt our customer data so that like, it's obviously more secure. So we encrypt customer data, we limit access to customer data internally, and we store data like in segregated databases. So it's not like we just lump everything together. Um, for example, a customer's registration information, like their name and email, is separately stored from their genetic information. Um, and so this reduces the risk of and incentive to commit a breach. Um, and we also empower customers to take um, take their like security in their own hands. And we give them tools like two-step verification um, and other other like guidance materials and things like that to keep themselves safe and play that important role in, uh, maintaining their account security.
1: What about for folks who might be genetically rare, who might be thinking like, I have something particular about my genetics that I feel might identify me. Are there particular ways that you all, um, approach that kind of privacy? Yeah, definitely.
2: Um, for twenty three andMe customers, as I mentioned, like control is really important, um, and how they how someone wants to use their data or share it, they make, get to make that choice. In addition to like the privacy and security protections that we've talked about, um, we have de identification that we employ. So you know, removing that registration information from um, genetic information and so on, that's a measure of protection. We you know store things in separate places so that things aren't hung together. And um, customers who want to participate in things like research, um, they can rest assured that we do take many measures to protect their research participants and minimize risks associated with that participation. Um, not only are there access controls for customer information, um, there are people, you know, like we go by role based functions. So like not, you know, one person doesn't have access to every single customer at 23andMe. It really depends on what their role is and what makes sense for them to have access to. And under our main research consent, uh, when we share research results outside of 23andMe, whether that's like in a publication or with a third party collaborator, we only share like the summary aggregate information. um, And those summary results in 23andMe publications are like statistics or calculations um, that describe like the research findings um, about some genetic associations that were discovered. Um, So for example, it's like, you know, in our study variant X was present in 5% of participants and was associated with a higher risk of this disease. Um, And so if a customer chooses to um, not opt in to participate in research or they were in research and then they changed their mind, Um, they are still able to access all of the same reports and product features as a customer who is participating in the research program. So, um, you know, not only are there all these like different privacy and security safeguards um, that customers can take themselves, but we also make sure that we're really like keeping data segregated, keeping access really locked down and limited. But we're also, you know, in those instances like research where there is that collaboration with outside collaborators, you know, making sure that like, that data is de-identified, aggregated, and really minimized, um, really, really minimize that risk to our participants.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good to hear. And you, you kind of touched on it, but, you know, especially given the kind of climate that we're in, I know the big question everybody has, every time I give any kind of information about myself to anyone, anywhere, the big question is always like, what third parties are they, are they giving this information to, right? Like I might consent to my information being shared with 23andMe, but are they selling my data? Are they, are they going to give it to police? Like how are they working with uh, organizations and institutions that are not 23andMe? So can you tell me a bit about how um, 23andMe handles data when it comes to third parties? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I
2: think, you know, like just like every company, we have service providers who help us do the things that we do from like operating the business to improving it. Um, And there's also, you know, choices that a customer can make about how their um, data is being handled throughout the platform, like whether they want to participate in research. Um, And so in that case, if someone does participate in research, we only share their data based on their explicit consent. And, you know, again, that whole participation is often and
1: entirely voluntary. So it's really about making sure the the customer is pretty aware of who they're sharing, who, who their information will be shared with. Absolutely, yes. That makes a lot of sense, and but there's so many other like genetic testing you know kits out there. um are there just sort of like talking to you has really put me at ease in terms of like the the privacy risks, but I wonder, like are there privacy risks associated with with genetic testing in general that folks should just be aware of if this is something they're going to decide to do for themselves?
2: Yeah, you know, I think some of the main privacy risks consumer may have consumers may have um concern, things like finding out out stuff about themselves um, or their family that they may not be prepared to learn about, um, and also law enforcement access into genetic data. Um, So at 23andMe, um, customers are not automatically visible to others on the platform. You know, they have to um, opt into DNA relatives, and if they do, then they become visible to others, and they can um, also see who their genetic relatives are and see those results, um, additionally, customers can also choose on an often basis whether they want to see health reports, particularly any sensitive health reports like our um, BRCA reports for breast cancer risks. And um, we have educational materials and training modules and things like that to also support and prepare uh, customers for that kind of information that they might receive. And on the law enforcement access front, we are the first direct-to-consumer genetic testing company to publish a transparency report, um, and that happened back in 2015. Um, it details, you know, the types of law enforcement requests that we received and how we've responded, um, and this is updated on a quarterly basis, and so far, we haven't released any individual user data um, to any law enforcement. Um, and... You know, something to be aware of is also like that. Not all genetic testing companies share these same values um, that we might have at 23andMe. So it's really important that customers who are concerned with things like law enforcement requests or how are they going to become visible to other potential genetic relatives, or you know, the health reports that they're about to get, um, those are things that like are really important to look into um, before choosing a genetic testing provider.
1: more after a quick break. Let's get right back into it. Yeah, just as someone, I mean, like, while I've got you here, as someone who knows a lot about privacy, what do you see as the biggest privacy risk today that folks should be aware of and have on their radar?
2: Well, I don't mean for this to sound like a... uh, Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. (laughs) <laughs> I don't mean for this to sound like a general sort of like response here, but I do think that one of like the biggest privacy risks uh, across industries, not just in genetic, genetic testing, is that technology is rapidly changing and evolving the way that we collect, interpret, use, share data, and the laws are not necessarily keeping up with that. Um, there are a lot of positives that come from technology changing so quickly, like you know you have more data, better insights. You- and there's more potential impact to your personal health and wellness. Um, However, like the privacy risks that come with that can be hard to predict. So it's important that customers and like companies, especially embrace privacy by design values and get ahead of those risks. Um, um, Yeah. Get ahead of those risks.
1: Yeah. Are there, are there any tips or ways that you would give folks to like, try to stay ahead of that? Like I am someone who is, I make a tech podcast, I try to stay plugged in, but even things change and I don't realize it. Like, are there there ways that folks can kind of get ahead of that?
2: That's a good question. I think, um, you know, it's just really, it's kind of hard. There's so much going on at any given time. um, And you have certain industries that are like going to change the way that we see the world in 10 years, like, you know, machine learning and AI and so on. but I think like, you know, as a consumer, it's just really important to understand how your data is being used and whether like the values of a company are aligned with what you care the most about, you know, any given sort of interaction. Um, you know, as I mentioned for like genetic testing, what a lot of consumers tend to be concerned about is, you know, law enforcement access or, you know, what they're going to learn and how they're going to be coached through that experience. Um, and so you want to make sure if those are things that are important to you, that you will like find the right provider for that. Um, So short of telling you, read the privacy statements and like, (laughs) I know, I know. Um, Sure. You know, you like just being smart about like how you're engaging with companies and the data that you provide uh, to them, I think is key. And, you know, also understanding that these companies are um, like wanting to make sure that you're picking companies that are thinking about privacy by design. um, where it's not like something that you wire on or you put into the back end and like or at the end of the project and rather you think about it from the beginning like the way that we thought about segregating our databases to make sure that there isn't like one pool of data uh, that was something that was thought about the first days that 23andMe was created. Um, So, and for, you know, the time that that was, the 2000s, that was pretty innovative compared to, like, some of the other companies out there. (laughs) Um, And so I think, like, it's really about picking companies that think about privacy at the ideation stages and implementing those privacy by design values and thinking into their business processes um, that are going to be the clear winners for consumers who care about privacy. the other piece of it, too, is I think, you know, legislation is starting to catch up on these privacy issues. Um, and we've welcomed, you know, as 23 we've welcomed a lot of legislation on the genetic privacy front. There's half a dozen states, such as California, Arizona, Utah, um, and more, and that have legislated on genetic privacy specifically. Um, and we hope to see federal legislation on this front as well. Um, that goes beyond GINA, the
1: Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act. Um, yeah. Awesome. That's really helpful. I have one last rapid fire question for you. What is it like to be in what I can only assume is a super male dominated space? You know, privacy law. I, it, it, I don't know for sure. I don't have the data in front of me, but I feel like it's probably very male dominated. Is that, is that accurate to say? Actually,
2: it's kind of surprising. One thing that drew me into privacy was that there was a lot of, there is still a lot of women in privacy. Um, and, you know, I think what the draw is, is that there, it, it is very, like, it's very, privacy is not something that, like, you, it's very um, contextual. Like, there, you know, it takes a lot of understanding different cultures and, um understanding different perspectives. And so I do think it actually has a lot more of a diverse group of people than you usually might find in other corporate functions. Um, and I also feel like at 23andMe particularly, um, you know, having a female CEO, we actually do have a lot of female representation in the company. So it's it's been a really wonderful environment from that end as well, um, not only being in privacy, but in a company where there is a lot of women uh, being represented.
1: I love that. I feel like I asked that question to a lot of women and so often they're like, girl, let me tell you, it sucks." but it's (laughs) nice to have a refreshing answer. That's like, actually there are a lot of women represented here, even at the top and it's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, you know, over the years I've actually just seen a lot more men
2: showing up to the party a little late later, you know? (laughs) Um, So it's, it's been, it's been great. I think like, um, This is going to continue to be a place where there's going to be a lot of diversity because it's kind of a requirement of the job to do it well and to think about privacy um, in a thoughtful way. You have to have diverse perspectives at the table.
1: After talking to Zarina, I felt a lot better and I actually did the test. And I want to share a little bit about what I learned because I think it's pretty cool. Like a lot of Black families, my family ties are not all necessarily by blood. You know, my mom didn't grow up with her biological family, which means that I grew up with a lot of what we call play cousins. And a lot of the people that I called auntie were not actually related to me by blood. Now, this is just one of the many layered and beautiful aspects of Black family dynamics. But after doing 23andMe, I found that I actually have blood cousins that I had no idea about. One of whom is a professional hypnotist who actually lives in my same city. You know, who knew? I also found that, like a lot of Black folks, I am a carrier for the trait of the disease sickle cell anemia. Now, that's different than actually having the disease sickle cell. It just means that I carry the trait for it. And it's actually really, really common in Black folks. According to the CDC, the United States incidence estimate for sickle cell trait was about 73.1 cases per every 1,000 Black newborns in the United States. And it turns out that this is actually super useful information for me to have. Because having this trait has been used as a pretty convenient explanation for when Black people die in police custody. And if a disproportionate number of Black folks have this trait, it can basically be used as a way to not direct more scrutiny when a Black person dies in police custody. The president for the American Society of Hematology recently published a letter in the New York Times on the subject, calling the rush to use sickle cell trait to explain away when a Black person dies in police custody— the professional misuse of science that further contributes to racial bias and social injustice in our country. So knowing that I have this trait can definitely be helpful for me in better understanding how I navigate this world as a Black woman. And I learned it from 23andMe. Listen, there are risks involved anytime you were giving your DNA to any kind of company. But for me, after educating myself about the risks, I actually felt okay to move forward. And the information I learned about my family and my health was worth it. If you're looking for ways to support the show, check out our merch store at tangody.com slash store. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangody.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangody.com. There are no girls on the internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unboss Creative. Edited by Joey Pat. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
0: podcasts. And that's it on another dope show. Did this episode inspire you to take a closer look at your health history, your genetic makeup? Who knew DNA could reveal so much about our past while also holding the keys to certain health insights that may impact our future? I continue to be inspired by these stories, and I hope you do as well. Catch you next time. Listen to Spit, an original podcast from iHeartRadio and 23andMe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.